All right now, you're listening to the Real Texas Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Bronin, just a fed up taxpayer, bringing you all of your Texas local and national news. Welcome to the Real Texas Radio Podcast. I am Bronin, your host. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. And if you haven't already, please like, subscribe, follow. You can also find me on Twitter at RTR underscore Bronin. And I'm also on Instagram at Real Texas Radio Podcast. If you've ever got an idea for a show or if you want to comment on an episode, please connect with me on social media and let me know your thoughts. I want to kick off the show today. I'm going to talk about an issue that it doesn't seem to get nearly enough attention in comparison to, say, oh, gun violence and mass shootings, which we hear about every day, it seems, right? And and this was true of 2022 as well. But every single day there's a mass shooting in the U.S., which means three or more people murdered, or the definition may vary, might be four, Dallas might consider it four people murdered. However, new data has just been released from 2022. So I'm going to pose the question to you. Do you think that more people die in the United States because of cars, passenger cars, or by gun violence? I'll give you a moment to think about that one, but I think you already know where I am guiding you with this question. 46,000 people died in car-related deaths on just the highways in America in 2022. That's excluding the surface streets. Do you know how many people died by guns in 2022? a little over 20,000. Now, I am not saying that that is any kind of a number to to pat anybody on the back about 20,000 gun deaths, it, homicides. Very bad, horrible. However, which number has gotten more attention? The 46,000 car deaths, that's just on the highways, that is excluding your surface streets and your neighborhoods and cities, which... There are thousands of deaths occurring there, too. Or the 20,000 gun deaths that you hear about every single day. Do you know how many injuries occur from highway-related crashes? So maybe somebody in the car dies, the passenger, the driver lives. About 350,000 injuries in 2022. And I am not talking about a broken finger here. I am talking about severe injuries, severe burns, paralysis, life-altering injuries. This is what the data shows that was just released earlier in March. And I'm, I'm getting this from a Los Angeles Times article, which is reporting on those figures. These homicide, or pardon me, the vehicular homicide or vehicular-related deaths, I should say, that's another figure, just like illegal alien immigration and fentanyl overdoses, that whenever you, and, and homelessness, whenever I go to look at the latest numbers, it's always going in one direction, and that's up. 
I'm going to read to you not the whole article. It, it does drone on, but I do want to read a little bit of the article to you, which does include some interesting quotes and some of those figures I cited. Highway fatalities are on the rise again, 46,000 in the U.S. in 2022, up 22%, according to numbers released last week. How many of those deaths involved distracted driving? It's much bigger than the data show, said Bruce Landsberg, vice chairman of the National Transportation Safety Board. Data collection methods are so riddled with problems, he said, that reliable estimates are difficult, if not impossible. But if those methods aren't improved, and soon, Landsberg said, the carnage induced by unsafe use of cell phones and other forms of distracted driving will continue. This is an epidemic, he said, and it's not just deaths. Everybody talks about fatalities, but there are hundreds of thousands or more life-altering injuries, broken limbs, brain injuries, horrible burns. This doesn't have to happen. These crashes are not accidents. They are completely preventable. You know, after there is a typically a mass school shooting like in Uvalde, Texas, right? Then we hear lawmakers clamoring about what more can be done to get guns off the streets, to keep them out of kids' hands, red flag laws, making sure that young adults, 18-year-olds, aren't having access to machine guns or the, the AK-47s, whatever the case. What do you think is a more addressable problem? Maybe working toward ending distracted driving? Maybe it's not. Maybe it would be easier to go and get guns out of the hands of the wrong people, the mass shooters, the would-be mass shooters. It seems to me that the future of private vehicle ownership is that the car is driving itself, right? The technology essentially exists right now. It is not perfect. There have been some scary incidents. I believe that Lyft was testing out autonomous vehicles a number of years ago, and they had to have a driver still in the car and to test the vehicle and the driver. I'm sure in their contract, it said that you need to be prepared at any moment to take over the wheel. And there was a driver, I think she was a young woman, and she was watching Netflix while the car was driving itself. And I believe it was at night and it struck a woman. This was probably five, six, maybe five or six years ago. It could be a little bit longer. There have been some horror stories with the Teslas. You've, you've heard about them, I think, out in California a number of years ago. The Tesla miscomprehended a, an 18 wheeler as a, as a free open lane and, and crossed into the truck, killing the driver. There have been stories like that. However, can the self driving or the autonomous driving or the autopilot, the super cruise, whatever the term you want to use, could the results of everybody having an autonomous vehicle, could they be worse than 46,000 deaths and 350,000 life-altering injuries in one year? And that's just on highways. That's not even referring to the surface streets. Look, I know there's all kind of phil philosophical and ethical and moral arguments out there about 
about why we can't do that. You know what? I, I hate philosophy. I do. I, I never enjoyed studying it. I, I don't enjoy, it's, it's just, it's not my thing. It's, you know what? It's to me, if, if you enjoy that kind of, very deep thinking, good for you. You want to get down in the weeds, bogged down in the weeds of humanity and that level of narcissism, you can go right ahead. But I, I'm a pragmatist here on the Real Texas Radio podcast. There's all kinds of data that show that the, the semi-autonomous features that many cars are now equipped with, the lane assistant or the intuitive braking or the adaptive cruise control and all of the beeping the car will do if you veer too close to a median or to another car, that those features, which are billed as safety features, that they actually give the driver, they lull the driver into a false sense of security and that they aren't actually making anybody safer. What they're doing is just making the driver feel more comfortable about using the cell phone and looking at the screen while they're driving. So I don't know if the fully autonomous driving is the solution that could vastly reduce the amount of deaths on the highway. But something I do think about a lot is private vehicle ownership, especially because I have spent the last three and a half years without owning a private vehicle, and it has given me quite a perspective. I've told you many times about how I am essentially risking my life several days a week when I cross at a crosswalk, a major intersection of my neighborhood that doesn't have a traffic light. And even though I'm in the crosswalk, even if I get halfway and I'm in the median, the, the number of cars, this is a habit now I have, I count the number of cars who don't stop. Even if, sometimes they'll stop on the crosswalk because traffic is so backed up. They'd rather do that then let me go. They would they would rather be bumper to bumper with the car in front of them than look around, utilize their peripheral vision and let a pedestrian cross at the crosswalk. They'd much prefer that. The obsession with cars, the love affair, the romance that Americans have with cars, I think it is completely misdirected. I recall when I did need a car, which I nearly exclusively needed the car just to transport me to my job which when you when you think about that it, it's almost crazy how we organize our lives around that having a private vehicle that is parked for 23 hours a day or 22 hours a day and its sole purpose or its 90 percent purpose is to transport us to our jobs if you are financing a car like so many americans do you're paying probably 700 bucks per month, give or take, when you factor it all in, the payment, the insurance, the maintenance, the gas, $700 a month just for you to, to have a private vehicle. And I, I don't know what the, the goal is. I know what the goal is of the car manufacturers of Ford and Chrysler and Toyota and, and every single one of them, Tesla. It is to sell more cars than they did the previous quarter, than they did the previous year. It is to continuously sell 
more cars, sell more expensive cars, sell bigger cars, to keep putting cars on the road. There are many stats coming out now about Gen Z and how members of Gen Z are not going for their driver's license. Well, that may be the case, but traffic, it doesn't really seem to really be improving in any meaningful way. Yeah, sure, maybe there you read about how, or if you were still commuting during the scandemic, that the roads, the traffic had thinned out significantly, and I believe even the insurance companies had to refund drivers back in 2020 or 21 for all of the fewer miles less traveled. But traffic, it is certainly back. And and as a former commuter, a daily commuter, I empathize with how that aggressive behavior can manifest very quickly when you just, you want to get to the job as quickly as possible and you want to get home as quickly as possible and spend as little time in that car as you can. Because after, if you have to commute, I believe, even 30 minutes one way, that can quickly become a soul-crushing endeavor. If you are spending five hours per week in your car driving to work, that is soul-crushing. I'm not suggesting here that we go out and build subways all over the country or expand them or that everybody go out and take the bus and join the the open-air asylum homeless community that has taken over so many of the subways and bus lines throughout the United States. But I am just pushing you to question your relationship with private vehicle ownership. And if you understand the history of how private vehicle ownership came to be, it was the car manufacturers back early in the 20th century and their lobbyists. And they pushed it so that way the, the, the idea of sharing a car, ride sharing, I know that Uber and Lyft are popular, but I think for the most part, people are using that if they're, they're, you know, they're going out drinking and they, and they shouldn't be driving. So that's great. But Uber and Lyft hasn't turned into a magic solution that has reduced traffic. In fact, I have read that in places like Manhattan, where a service like that, maybe it's not particularly needed. They have the best subway example in the country and bus lines, but it's Uber and Lyft have actually worsened traffic in Manhattan. I know here in Dallas, in Deep Ellum, which is the nightclub bar restaurant district uh, on the weekends, that Uber and Lyft, I don't know if those restrictions are still in place, but at one point, Uber and Lyft, they could only do pickups and drop-offs in certain locations because they were contributing to such congestion, particularly on those two-lane main drags that run through Deep Ellum. The point that I'm trying to make here is earlier in the 20th century, the way that transportation was evolving in the country, it didn't have to be private vehicle ownership. We could have gone the way of Europe, for example, many of the European cities, and really built out worthy mass transit options like subways and bus lines. And we, we could have 
constructed communities much easier to get around with with other options walking biking there are all kinds of startup companies that have small vehicles that are designed for one person or maybe two people and none of those really seem to get any traction they're all pipe dream technologies but when you think about it these major cities throughout the US Dallas Houston Boston LA Chicago right i know they they all have some kind of mass transit but other than the homeless many people are not using it maybe more in chicago and yes in boston but most people of means if if you are of the means to own a private vehicle then you're probably avoiding the t if you're in boston you're absolutely avoiding the dart if you are in dallas in the surrounding areas and that's a shame within the the 5 mile radius right around downtown in Dallas or in any city you can apply this to any city where there is uh thickly settled areas you shouldn't need a private vehicle a full size car an SUV a truck to get around don't you think that there should be friendlier alternatives I'm thinking about this from a financial perspective here. Owning a car, 700 bucks a month if you're financing it. It's a huge drag on household expenses. In why aren't mopeds more popular which get what something like 100 miles to the gallon for gas? Many of the thoroughfares in Dallas have six lanes between the two sides like i i'm thinking of lemon avenue that runs through dallas and runs through uptown runs through oakland there are it's just a disgrace that there are such limited good alternative options to full size vehicles which are very expensive i'll continue on with this subject in in another episode but what i want to leave you with here are On the Real Texas Radio podcast, I really try to frame this as as a third way kind of a platform, right? I'm a working class advocate, I'm a middle class advocate, and as much fun as it might be to follow the Hunter Biden laptop from hell story, and as entertaining a prospect as it may be for Rand Paul to get to grill Hunter Biden one day in a Senate hearing as interesting as that might be that in no way is going to improve your life whether you're a democrat or a republican if you are looking at that from anything other than an entertainment value then you're completely wasting your time Hunter Biden isn't going to jail Hillary Clinton isn't going to jail more epstein people aren't going to jail bill clinton's not going to jail whether or not the restaurant in your neighborhood is going to have a drag brunch anymore is not going to really affect your life whether or not my little trans pony is in your local library that's not going to really affect your life too much but what certainly impacts your life most likely is you have a private vehicle you're driving on America's highway system on a regular basis and 46,000 people died on America's highways last year and 
without getting into the dangerous realm of comparisons, 20,000 people died from guns. What are you more likely to die from? How often do you see a car wreck or do you see a fender bender, even if it's not life-threatening? But how often do you see a, a, a car accident? If you are a Texas driver, if, if you happen to be on Interstate 75 on a regular basis or Interstate 30 or any of the other major highways around the DFW area, then you see probably a major accident, at least on a weekly basis. And I'm talking about you actually see one with your own eyes. That's not even factoring in all of the other accidents that are occurring. So if if we are having a mass shooting every day in, in the United States, as the Democrats remind us, which again, that's horrible, and that should not be the case. But if at 20,000, that represents a daily mass shooting. At 46,000, how many car accidents are we having just on the highways that result in death every day? We have mass car accident death every day in the country. And yet, where is the focus and where is the attention? I'm Bronin. Thank you for tuning into the Real Texas Radio podcast. Catch me on Twitter, RTR underscore Bronin, or at Real Texas Radio Podcast on Instagram. I will catch you on the next episode.